play the fucking intro. This is Dustin. And this is Eric. And this is SLC Punkcast. Thank you for joining us for episode 277. That is two sevens right there. Yes. Two <laughs> sevens. Exactly. A <laughs> uh, bunch of great stuff in store as per usual on the show. We have an interview, first interview we've done in a while. Uh, had a hard time arranging a time where Eric and I and Kristoff of Crazy in the Brains could all get together. So it's just going to be Kristoff and I, but... We will get to that later in the show, play some music, some new music as well from Crazy and the Brains. Uh, we're going to get to playing some cool music here momentarily. If you hear some weird humming behind us, uh, <laughs> we have fans drying out my basement, and uh, I apologize for any weird background noise. Try to keep it as quiet without the background noise as possible, and it'll only be on this one. So let's get into what has been coming out. Liberty or Death Records, Volume 1. Uh, it's Punk and Oi Fight Animal Abuse, and that's out, obviously, on Liberty or Death Records. It's benefiting the Brick City Rescue. came out on August 7th. Go out and support that. I think there was like 30, 31 tracks, something like that. And we will hopefully be speaking with somebody about that here in the next couple weeks and probably playing some uh, music because there are new tracks uh, also included on that compilation. Then on August 8th, Life's Question released World Full Of on Triple B Records. Bulldog Bullies released My Town, which is a single. That's on the 8th as well. On the 8th, Scum Back out of Russia. We were talking about them last week out of Moscow. The end of the road. Did you have a chance to go check them out after we talked about them? No, because I forgot their name. Okay. And I meant to write that down, and now I'm going to be plugging that in. Because I want to hear some good old Russian hardcore. The, on the 9th, uh, 18 Fevers released Don's Macabre, which is a single. We played that one. Uh, we uh, it's probably either, might have been the last episode or the one before, uh, but great track. Go check out the episode. Go check out, check out the band. Also on the 9th, a handful of other releases, such as Bad Wave releasing Demo 2022. The Barstool Preachers released a new single called Call Me On The Way Home. Their next release will be on Pure Noise Records. Action Adventure, they released uh, Meet Me at Our Spot featuring Alex Melton. Spirit World released a new single. It's called Moonlit Torture, and it features integrity on that, and it is pretty awesome. And if you didn't know, I'll be maybe mention a few of their shows coming up on this show, but maybe uh, more on the next, because they have some shows coming up, including in Salt Lake City, which is on August 30th. I'm going to be there. I like Spirit World. That's some good old hardcore right there. Yeah. Powerhouse OBHC, they released two tracks, What Lies Ahead. They're European exclusive tracks, and so you can go check those out. Those were exclusive on that, I think it was on the Renegades release, but two tracks uh, that are European exclusive that are now separate over on the Bandcamp page. That's on the 10th. On the 11th, Plien de Vie released Coltuk. The Genekolorindin Kalanar Yapmak. I'm sure I fucked that up. It's on Mevzu <laughs> Records. Mevzu Records has been putting out some cool releases recently. They're out of Istanbul and Turkey, so go check that label out. Go check out that release. 
On the 12th, Shiva, S-H-I-I-V-A, released Cyclone, an EP over on Wiretap Records. City Saints, they released a single off of their split with Psychotic Youth. I think there's two tracks from each band, uh, but that single is over on their band camp as of August 12th. It's I'd Rather Drink Than Talk, and man, wouldn't we all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, we sometimes do both. Right. Not very coherently, but we do. <laughs> True. Uh, Slaughter Boys, they released Till the End of the Week, and that's W-E-A-K, Till the End of the Week. On the 12th, Cold Brats released an EP called Shock Therapy. On the 12th, Crazy in the Brains, newest single, Open Eyes. On the 12th, we'll talk more about that here shortly. Anti-Citizen released Locked in the Basement, Volume 4. Then on the 14th, Analog Decryption released Falling Down Single. On the 15th, Toy Tiger put out a new release called Take a Trip on the Tiger Side. Uh, Scrotebog, they release Koning Vande N34, which is an EP, three tracks on the 15th. Then on the 16th, Fight the Future here out of here in Salt Lake City, they had two releases. Both releases have three tracks. One release is called Fist Clenched and Held High, and the other one's called Bring Balance. Then Psychomantis released a split with Split Image called The Psycho Image, Split and that came out on the 16th. They're doing a tour, that's uh, so it's a promo for the tour coming up. And Psychomantis mm-hmm. is going to be here in Salt Lake City soon on the 6th of September. Yes. We will be playing with them, yeah, awesome. <laughs> Again, they were here uh, in April for a general violence conference. That's awesome. I remember they were the ones that closed out the all ages section of that festival at the Beehive, right. They were the last band, and yeah, they were awesome. Well, they just put out a split with Split Image, so be on the lookout uh, for maybe us playing something from there before too long, or maybe closer to the 6th. Then on the 17th, Battalion Zoska, they released New Blood on Violated Records. We're going to talk more about that here in a minute. The 19th will feature releases from Concrete Ties. It's Unrecognizable is the name of the EP on Upstate Records. Orthodox on the 19th, Learning to Dissolve is the name of the release. The Chats, Get Bucked, is coming out on the 19th. We'll talk more about that here very shortly. Mm -hmm. The Hanging Judge is putting out a split with Soda City Riot called Love, Anger, and Coping Methods. That's an EP on Pro Rock Records on the 19th. And then we've got a couple releases we know about on the 26th for Thought Crimes called Altered Pasts on Pure Noise Records. And finally, Venaria and its Euro Trash on Melodic Punk Style on the 26th. Eric, what do you have to add to the release list? Well, I have some, uh, yeah, as I'm uh, retreading here, the, uh, yeah, on the 9th, reminder that DEFCON Zero have their international release of Music for Glue Snuffers, Terrorists, and the Mentally Ill. Also, the uh, split EP between our own Total Serial and Maggot Infestation. Also, on the 11th, Anti-Flag put out a new single in the form of a, of a music video called Laugh, Smile, Cry, Die. And it features uh, the vocalist Shane Told from Silverstein. So cool. So yeah, I checked it out. It's really not that bad. It's not bad at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I may even talk about it later. Nice. And yeah, the 19th is a pretty loaded release day, at least for me. Like you said, Orthodox in the chats will be releasing some of their uh, newest material. And Russian Circles will finally be releasing Genosis. And... I can't wait to listen to that, and I can't wait to be seeing them live in September. That's going to be great. That will be the day right before Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah. 
I'm going to have a pretty metal weekend. It sounds pretty, like it. A pretty metal September, now that I think <laughs> about it. Well, actually, no. Some of the shows I'll be seeing in September are not very metal. Except for Agnostic Front. They're arguably metal. They have a lot of crossover in their stuff. Nice. <laughs> but yeah. But that's not until uh, next month. And my favorite band is coming next month, and I can't wait. Awesome. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for the uh, releases in August. Everything else is uh, scheduled for uh, September and onwards. And, yep, that's all I got to say about that. And with that being said, let's talk about the chats. Yes. Yeah, the chats. They are such a, they are such like a breath of UK-style punk rock. I'm talking late 70s, early 80s. They're, they got a sound that emulates that of like stiff little fingers and subhumans, at least when I hear it. But they don't come from the UK at all. No, they came back from that little island down south of the hemisphere. Talk about that big island known as Australia. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Hailing from uh, Queensland. We, we played them on the show a couple of times with their... Uh, I remember specifically playing the song Smoko. I'm going Smoko. Right? <laughs> yeah. And that was a couple of years ago. That was from their first album. It wasn't even really an album. It was actually kind of a long EP. It only had like eight songs on it. So okay. I'm like, eh, I don't know. The EP-LP debate is so... I'm sick of talking about it. <laughs> uh, but I know I will be talking about it later in this episode, but that's not to worry. The fact is, the Chats are releasing a actual LP, and they have three singles out right now, and I've been playing those singles back to back to back. And, yeah, they're very short songs. They're very, they're very pumped up. They really... They got a lot of energy about them, and it sounds like the chats. And I already told you how the chats sound like. If you're a fan of that style of punk rock that just emulates that sound, well, you're going to love this one. This is a new single from the chats from the upcoming album coming out this Friday. This is called Struck by Lightning. So, 
Yeah, that's what we're getting from the uh, chats as of late. And there are two more songs that you can listen to right now that are about the same length. And they are about as, they got about as much uh, that aggressive, snotty attitude that you'd sooner hear from the UK punk bands of old. But they are now representing that sound via the land down under. So I am excited for the rest of this album. All three of those singles are amazing. I was really hard-pressed to, to single one out. Just that one, I don't know, just made me more excited. <laughs> on uh, their Bandcamp page, I think it's where you can find the three. If you go to iTunes, because I was on iTunes already, and I looked there when I saw which band you were picking, but you hadn't quite picked your track yet. The only one available was I've Been Drunk in Every Pub in Brisbane. And <laughs> that one I heard, and I thought, this is a cool band. I like this track, and I'd forgot that you'd already played uh, the other track like you were talking about the smoko track <laughs> yeah so uh the other one that i heard very good too i enjoyed that one so looking forward to friday when the rest of get fucked comes out oh yeah i mean if uh, the rest of their album sounds like what we got then i got nothing to worry about right but we will see when push comes to shove and that release date hits i'm gonna be spinning that well I wish I was spinning it <laughs> i will be doing the digital version of spinning that record right because, I mean, I do delivery driving for work, so I got nothing else to do in between stops but listen to my music. Or I just kind of talk to myself, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with the music. Uh, all right, we're going to get into some new stuff. Uh, this one's not as new. I actually played some stuff because I really like the album. Uh, I played Radio and Punks and Boot Boys. The band is Special Duties. The album is called Seven Days a Week. They released it November 5th of last year, and I played a couple tracks because I like the album. Well, Pat, like I had been playing on quite a few of the more recent episodes, Pat sent a bunch of music our way. I've been checking it out and uh, getting stuff on so we could all listen together. And so Pat also sent us Special Duty Seven Days a Week because it is or was released on Creep Records and Violated Records, which that's where Pat is... <laughs> releasing music. So uh, we're going to get into his other his band here in just a moment, which is awesome, because they just put out a release this morning. I was super excited and uh, tried to listen. I think I listened to all of it one time through, and I'll probably be picking that doing the reverse order. I did the album pick for Special Duties months ago, and now I'm going to play something as a new track. And then we're going to be playing something new from Battalion Zoska's New Blood here in a moment, and I'm sure in not too distant future I'll probably play that as a great cover-to-cover -cover album because I really enjoyed it. It's cool. But back to Special Duties. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with them, they formed in October of 1977. Yes, that is a couple of years before I was born, and mm -hmm. probably a lot of people who were listening to the show were born. They were, they're from <laughs> Colchester in the U.K., and again, you can go find them over, on, or at least this release for sure, on Creep Records, Violated Records. The release came out uh, about nine months ago, November 5th of 2021. Let's get into the title track this time from Seven Days a Week. Special duties are going to bring us Seven Days a Week. Okay. <laughs>
had forgotten, even though the album's only been out nine months, and how great the band is and how great that album is, there is your reminder. Seven days a week. Great stuff. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the next one. Go check out Special Duties. Now we're going to get into Battalion Zoska. We just played a track because they put out a split with Fatal Blow. That was at the end of June, so we played Bad Things. Uh, which is a fantastic track, and it can also be found on this album, New Blood. New Blood was officially released today, which today, uh, when we're recording this, is August 17th. So, brand new. It's 16 tracks. Yes, 1-6. So, it's going to take you a minute to get through there. That is like a, a double long EP, because mm. you said the eight tracks were a long right. EP. <laughs> So 16 tracks. Uh, the vinyl, if you're curious, it's going to be coming out in October, but digitally it's out there. You can check it out. Uh, again, I want to thank Pat. He's awesome. Uh, anybody that was able to go, get out to Rebellion Festival this past weekend and see Battalion Zoska play is very lucky. And uh, obviously all the other three to 400 bands, how many ever bands ended up playing this year. Uh, awesome. The band Battalion Zoska, if for some reason you aren't familiar, they are from Philadelphia, Pat Society doing vocals. 
this release is out on Violated Records. Again, October is when you'll see the vinyl, so go follow them on social medias, which we'll cover that here shortly. Again, I said I'm going to play one track here. Uh, I just had time to basically go through like one time while I was doing stuff today, and uh, I'm going to pick one track, but when I get a chance to kind of really go through it and really decide how much I like it, but on the first listen, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I'll pick some other tracks somewhere down the road. Now we're going to listen to a track that I thought, yep, this one's it. You know, Bad Things was on there, and I really like Bad Things. As soon as I heard it, I like, this sounds familiar. I like this one. This one's really good. And then I realized, oh, that's Bad Things. We just played that one like a month ago. <laughs> So, we're going to play something else. It's called Slipping Away. Here we go. It's Battalion Zoska. Try it, if you'd like.
So what'd you think? That had some pump to it. Right? <laughs> Got to check out the 16 tracks. I mean, we just checked out one. You heard bad things. That's two. There's 14 more to go. Uh, really awesome. I really like Pat's vocals. I love the... Yeah, the energy some, it gives. He's got some bite to it. Right? Yeah, you listen to the rest. The band has a great sound. Uh, go look them up on Bandcamp. Uh, you know, sometimes, especially with the next band that we are going to be playing, uh, you, you never know what, what you're going to end up finding because of the name, and we'll get there in a second. But other bands have a name that there's no mistaking. You look it up, it's easy to find, and there you go. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, go check out Italian Zoska. Again, that just came out today. Brand new stuff. Wasn't even planning on it. Just planning on doing some other stuff. But as soon as I saw that, I said, that has got to be on the show. Eric, let's get into some older, lesser known stuff. Before we're getting closer to that, doing that interview. Yep. What do you have for the show? Well, I'm hopping all the way to Osaka, Japan, <clears throat> to once again talk about the band Sand. Right. Yeah, and I played Sand uh, uh, last year in December on episode 241, just the song Smile from their uh, from the Japanese Katana soundtrack. Okay. And yeah, then I got an email from Bandcamp saying, hey, new release on, uh, on their Bandcamp. And it wasn't exactly a new release. It was just a song that they uploaded from the, uh, uh, what was it called? The Urban Warfare 2, the terror compilation. Right. Yeah, and just so you know, that was a compilation that was released back in 2001. And it had a, yeah, it was a compilation of a bunch of uh, hardcore bands that most of them I don't know their name, but, you know, some to mention would be Strength, Mindset, Slang, uh, Public Domain, Crank, Eternal B, At One Stroke, so, so many. And Sand happened to be on one of them with their song Four Fellows Eyes. And fun thing is, if you look on uh, Sand's Bandcamp, if in, if you can find it, because, <laughs> I mean, Sand. I, that's exactly what I was just talking about. Some bands are easy to find, and some you look up, and they're much tougher to track down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you do a Google search, Sand Osaka or Sand Japan, and and even if you go on Discogs, you'll be you'll find them. Funny enough, I'm going to quick side note to distract you for a moment, not, not intentionally, but... Uh, you put that on there, I tried to track down and do exactly what you just said. The only way I found it, I looked it up and found it on Discogs, but that didn't come up on my search. But I found it on Discogs, like, okay, this is what it was released on back in 2001. Then YouTube was the only place I could find it. Then, mm -hmm. <laughs> about an hour before Eric gets here, I'm going through all the releases from Bandcamp in the last week because I've been behind for various reasons around <laughs> my house, and I wanted to get to some of the releases to announce some stuff that's been coming out, as we do at the beginning of the show. And that was in my mailbox, yep. what you were just <laughs> describing. And so I, I probably spent 15, 20 minutes trying to track down that track <laughs> earlier today. Couldn't find it. It didn't come up on my search for Bandcamp. Uh, at all, or my Google search, it didn't produce for Bandcamp either. But yeah. I had the email the whole time. Well, would you look <laughs> at that? <laughs> if you were just checking it more regularly. I know. Yeah. I used to be better <clears throat> at it. I'll get there. I will say one thing about their uh, Bandcamp. If you look on there, they don't, I mean, it looks like they have a lot, and they do, but they are m mostly singles. And that's not all that they have released. They've been a band since 1999, and they have been releasing albums since 2003. On their Discogs, they have four albums. 
They had 24-7 from 2003, which is a mini album. They say it's a mini album because it's, once again, eight songs. That seems to be a kind of theme today. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see, 2007, Nothing But a Bitter Mouth. Then 2013, Spit on Authority. And 2015, Death to Sheeple. So they don't have those albums in their entirety on their band camp for one reason or another. I do not know. Maybe they're just trying to hunt down all the master recordings of that. But they do have singles from said albums available for streaming on their band camp. So, and I did a deep dive on that. And I listened to every single one of their tracks on their band camp. And all of them are so good. They are just such a, they're just such a, they are a hardcore band with some grit. Awesome. Yeah, and they're really they're doing a good job repping the uh, Japanese hardcore. So when I found out when I found out that this song for Fellows Eyes was on their Bandcamp, I'm like, ooh, all right, let's uh, let's get a listen on that. And yep, it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of their old school metal influence in there. You could just kind of tell they were still finding their footing. It was a little different from their uh, the songs in their later catalog, which are unmistakably they are noisy, rampant, chaotic, hardcore. This one was a bit more on like the, okay, we're still coming out of our little thrash zone. We're still trying to figure shit out. But does that make it a bad song? Absolutely not. It is really good. It is heavy. It's got a pretty long intro. But if you get past that, oh, you better be ready to start slamming into people. So without further ado, here is Four Fellows Eyes from Osaka's Sand.
yeah, that's a that's a taste of some of the early yeah the early exposition of sand. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, the so yeah, it's a bit more uh, chunky. It's got a bit more of that uh, slammy metal stuff on there. It feels more like a metal song than a hardcore song, except for in the end when it gets to that little breakdown part. And and yeah, it's still good. But it doesn't even, uh, in my opinion, doesn't even add up to uh, the other songs that you can find on their Bandcamp. Just look at the, listen to some of the later tracks, and you'll see what I mean. But listen to everything that Sand has on their Bandcamp, and if you can find the rest of it, most likely on YouTube, listen to that as well because they're good. They're really good. It's awesome. Well, we got one more track. We're gonna talk about some live shows, do an album, and then get into the interview. Before we get there. We're going to play the older, lesser-known track, which is also the same band that we're going to be playing later and doing the interview with later, and that is the band Crazy and the Brains. Uh, I, I, we're, we're playing a couple of their new tracks. They, they also, a little less than a year ago, did that cover of Punk Rocker. We talked about that. We played that on the show just a few weeks ago, and that was my first song that I heard. I talked about that then. Uh, now, you know, after I heard that track, I threw it on Spotify, the band, and started listening just going through random tracks and I've listened to Crazy in the Brains a couple times and every time this particular song jumps out I mean I liked all the other stuff uh, I was definitely sleeping on this band and sleep no more hopefully you're not either after we played them a few weeks ago and we're, we're going to play a few new tracks we're going to play something a little older I suppose it was off their last full length which was called Into the Ugly they released that November 23rd of 2018 so coming up on about four years ago uh, I'm not going to give any spoilers to the interview, so we'll talk more about uh, stuff like that after the interview. So here, we'll just let the song speak for itself. Crazy in the Brains from Jersey City. Uh, off of Into the Ugly, this track that I was talking about is called Devil Dogs. Uh, their music is fun. It is good. It, you listen to it. It doesn't sound like other stuff. The Christoph's vocals, the band's music. None of that stuff. It's just they're their own thing. It's some cool punk music. So here we go. Crazy in the Brains with Devil Dogs.
what you think? Well, the way that the music was sounding and the way that he was uh, presenting his vocals reminded me reminded me very much of the Toy Dolls. Okay. Yeah. Or the band that wrote Nelly the Elephant. Uh, that one I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the Toy Dolls, that was, a, that was a band way back in like the late 70s, early 80s of a UK punk rock, and they were just so outrageous. <laughs> they, they were kind of uh, joking around and just being like a really, uh, just being really zany. They were great musicians, great songwriters. I mean, they wrote really good punk rock songs, but they were just goofy. <laughs> you know, right down to their sound, just being so like, uh, uh, just so comedic. And that's what this one sounds like. It sounds pretty outlandish, and it sounds very similar to that. I wouldn't go as far to say that they are exactly like the Toy Dolls, because, honestly, that's a tall order to fill. <laughs> but they are interesting. I, I see what you mean by what, uh, by what you were saying and how they kind of stand on their own. Right? Yeah, because even though like the uh, comparison to what I said with Toy Dolls, it's, uh, it's touching it. It's touching it, but it's not like... Knee deep. Right. Well, we're going to get into more crazy in the brains. Uh, the episode is packed because we do have the interview, so we are moving right along. We're going to talk about some live shows, get into Eric's great cover-to-cover -cover album, and then we'll be getting to some more music and interview with Kristoff uh, and Crazy and the Brains. So, Eric, uh, have you seen any shows recently? I have, and I got to say... I accidentally attended two more this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll start with the one that I was initially planning on. I was going to see, no matter what. And that was Project Sellout, making their return to Salt Lake City. And that was the 13th, the day after my birthday. Nice. And yep. happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was, a pretty, it was a pretty good one. My parents bought me a new mattress. Oh, good. And a new bed frame, because the one I have is a piece of shit. <laughs> if anyone's looking for a new bed frame, uh, hit me up. I'll sell you, you know, 50 to 100 bucks. And it's pretty, that's a pretty good deal from what you're going to get at Mattress Firm. Nice. Or any other of them fucking mattress stores on Furniture Row. <laughs> God. So your birthday was Friday. Birthday was Friday. Oh, that's and when my, I was bucketing out water. That's, you were celebrating another Great day. Yep. <laughs> That's how I celebrated your birthday this year. Oh, yeah. It's just uh, making, the, making the house all presentable for me to enter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm still, waiting on, the, I'm still wait, waiting, on the, waiting on the red carpet treatment, sir. Right. We'll, we'll have to get carpet back in here first. <laughs> uh -huh. <It's> pretty soon. <laughs> anyway, the 13th, uh, Project Sellout, Mandalore, oh, yeah. Spent, DTA, I wanted to go to Backhand. That. I was so... I didn't even think about that on that day. Damn oh, it. man. How was it? Did you do the door? I worked the door on nice. that show. And this was, this was actually kind of funny. When I, I came up on the uh, Two Wild Pepper, and I was like, okay, I'm a little early. I'll just order myself a pie, and I'll, I hadn't eaten yet. So I'm sitting there, and then the guys from Backhand come in. And I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, you guys? And th this is my first time really meeting them and was also my first time seeing them in, in performance. But we'll get to that in a minute. And eventually, some people who look like they were there to uh, see the show, apart from dining in, or to play the show, started funneling in. I'm like, okay, mm maybe I should start making my rounds, start uh, collecting cash from people. And 
Conrad and Zach, the guys who actually put on the show, Zach from PSO and Conrad from Mandalore, they were. They told me to be there like about ten minutes before six. I was there at five thirty. They didn't show up until after Spent was about done with their set. Wow. I'm like, okay. It's not like I was complaining. I've worked door many a show. I have. I am well equipped to handle that. And and the backhand guys, they were super helpful, moving all the tables out of the way so that you know we have the dance floor. And I started going around collecting all the money. Making all the change and and yeah, marking all the hands. Nice. I hadn't worked door in years, but it's something that never leaves you. <laughs> it's just it's just easy. Right? But the thing that wasn't easy is I didn't have a cash box, so I was holding all the money in one hand, marking stuff off in the other. I was like going, okay, mark, ear, change, cash. All right, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it was a. It was kind of a mess, but I managed to get everything handled. Oh, good. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm watching the show from the, from the back. Thankfully, I had a pretty good view. The nice thing about a tight-knit venue. And, yeah, Spent, they played, and they are fucking awesome. I've, this is my second time seeing them, and I wish I could have been, you know, up front. Especially when they covered Seven Seconds, Young Till I Die. Nice. <laughs> I was like, that's a good, that's a good song to cover. Better than the first time when they covered uh, Fat Lip by Sum 41. <laughs> True. <laughs> Who are playing tonight, by the way. I yes, just they remembered. are. With Simple Plan. And yep. guess what? Neither of us are there or going. Yep. <laughs> it's like, eh, you guys have a fun time, but I, uh, I'm busy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Doing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I straighten my beard quite often. It, it makes me look nice. There you go. <laughs> okay, back to the hardcore show. <laughs> so yeah, Spent, they were awesome. They did, a, they did a good job, as always. Me only haven't seen them uh, one other time, but that one other time was their first show, and they had a, that was like their best step forward. Uh, no, their decent first step. There we go. <laughs> their best first step, but you don't know if it's your worst first step. <laughs> Oh, God. Whatever. Spent was awesome. Uh, yeah, next, the return to the stage of Don't Trust Anybody, DTA. I was excited for them the most. Like I was excited for every other band on this bill, but, you know, Mandalore, Project Sellout, I've seen them so many times. DTA, I've seen a handful of times, but I hadn't seen them in a long time. <laughs> and this was at least, like, three years. Maybe even longer. So seeing a... Uh, so seeing Greg and Chris and uh, everyone else return to that stage and start playing that old school, 20-year-old Salt Lake hardcore, it was great. They still hold, they're still holding true to it. They still, they still pay it forward. And they still had some shirts from, that were printed from like back in 2001. Nice. <laughs> and it was this very specific shirt. It was like Salt Lake hardcore by the slice. And there was a big pizza <laughs> Right in the, right in the middle, and then DTA on the bottom. It was a, it was an awesome shirt, and they only had it in double XL. I'm like, well, I can, well, and smalls and mediums, but double XL. I'm like, I can rock that. I put it on. It felt like a muumu. I'm like, well, I don't care. This is a piece <laughs> of history that I have. And they're like, I'd be, I'm surprised that we even have any of those left. They haven't been printed in 20 years, and they printed it in their friend's basement. Nice. Yeah, so it was great. And I got some more of their EPs. I got their uh, latest EP that was uh, uh, on cassette. 
and a split they did with uh, PSO and a uh, compilation that they were on. Cool. So I am well endowed with a lot of uh, Don't Trust Anybody merch. Sweet. <laughs> so I was stoked. And they played my favorite song, United Forces. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was the song I played when I talked about their album, Five Degrees of Separation. Awesome. <laughs> yep. One of my favorites. Anyway, Don't Trust Anybody. It was great to see them again. And then Mandalore takes the stage, and I'm like, okay, I'm just waiting for uh, them to play 1313, because that's the one where I always go up at the right time, and I'm like, okay, Conrad, you know the drill, hand me the mic, come on, it's that part, I got a grudge, it's aimed at you, I rep the X, stay true. I don't say I rep the X, because <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm just like, Conrad, you take care of that, I'll just move on to you got money. We got blood. Come to my city. See the flood. <laughs> I always got mic time during that part. Nice. And yeah, it was kind of funny in that position because this was a packed house, by the way. There were so many people there. It was busting at the seams, that show. And it was great. And I just wanted to be like, hey, you saw me at the door. Not only do I take money, but I take names, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just start rocking it out on there. Oh, uh, yeah. So that was pretty cool. Cool. And, and yeah, that was the one time I abandoned my post. <laughs> but it's getting toward the end of the show. If uh, people haven't shown up by now, they're not going to show up later. It's true. Yeah, maybe one or two will get by. I know I let... One guy, and he's like, I only got five bucks, man. And it, just for me and, me and my friend, I'm like, just give me the five. Go inside. I'll, <laughs> I'll get some leeway for a couple of people. There you go. I mean, have you seen the stack, bud? Nice. <laughs> it was, uh, I didn't count how many, but it was a lot. Good. <laughs> and even some people paid me in quarters. <laughs> it was like they hold up a Ziploc bag, and there's like one, two, three, four, five dollars, like dollar bills. And then, like, $5 worth of quarters. Someone paid me in uh, coin dollars. Nice. <laughs> I'm like, this is ridiculous. But, hey, it's still... It's Money minted. spends, right? It's minted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then Project Sellout came on. At that point, I was like, yeah, fuck the door. I'm going up front. Threw the cash in my pocket of my cargo shorts. And I'm up there just face-to-face with, uh, with uh, what's his name, Simon and Noah and I'm just screaming in their faces of all the songs that I love. I've seen them so many times that I'm just like, I'm just waiting for my favorite song. They did not play it, which is to whom it may concern. But, yeah, whatever. <laughs> the, the thing is, they can play any song and I will be happy. Right? They're There's, great. They I, I'm glad great. they came earlier this year because I got to see that one. I'm so bummed I spaced that show because we talked about it last week on Tuesday when we recorded. And I was thinking, I'm going to go to that show, and I spaced it by the time that came around. Yeah. Well, you were having a bit of a crisis. I was. I was. But I still would have enjoyed going. It would have been nice to break away and go do that. Yeah. It would have been. Anyway, Project Sellout, super great, super fun, never a disappointment. Right. And then Backhand comes on, and they close out the night. And this was my first time seeing Backhand, mostly because they are stationed out in uh, Provo. Okay. And they play a lot of shows down there and in the Orem area. But they told me that this was their show. This was the show that was going to, like, introduce them into the Salt Lake scene properly, as it were. It wasn't cool. their first Salt Lake show, but they are officially moving up to Salt Lake. Nice. So we will be seeing them on a lot more bills on this side of the county line. Awesome. And, 
Yep, I want to see them a lot more because they are super fun. <laughs> they, like the singer, he is just so, he could just be so wild-eyed and just so charismatic. And you can just tell he is having a good time up on stage. It just reminds me of the likes of uh, the Bronx or Drug Church. And the music is uh, very similar to that. It's a little outlandish. It's got that weird little, those wonky rhythms, those stringy guitar parts. And they're just having fun with it. That's awesome. <laughs> it's just infectious. I loved that show. I have nothing bad to say about it. And I had some, they were surrounded by good people. Had some good fucking slices in my stomach. And I pulled off the door without a hitch. Well, great job. Yep. So if you need a doorman... Hit me up. I'll be your door, man. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the next show that I went to, there were there was a few I really wanted to go to. Like, I wanted to check out, uh, on Sunday, there were two shows. There was Ingrown, Witness Chamber, and Takeover, Victim to None, and Snake Eyes. That's a stacked hardcore bill over at Beehive. I wanted to check that one out, but the 14th is my sister's birthday. Okay. So... And we were planning on going out with the family to celebrate both hers and mine in a sort of one fell swoop. And we were busy doing that, and we're like, okay. So I missed Ingrown, which sucks. I was hearing about how rowdy that show got. There was, there was never a part in that show where there wasn't a dancer. It was just going nonstop. Awesome. And someone backed like, into the merch table and like broke their display record. Wow. It was... Yeah, it got pretty chaotic from what I hear. I'm like, damn it! Damn it! <laughs> Why can't you have been born earlier? Uh, and also, Norma Jean making their return to Salt Lake. I mean, I'm not the hugest fan of Norma Jean, but it would be cool to see him live, especially when our homies in Snuff Tape are opening up for him. Right. I mean, quite a d difference. I mean, Snuff Tape is just that beat down bench press hardcore and norma jean is just that mathy christian uh mathcore progressive metalcore shit and they're they're fucking nutty so would have been great to have seen that but nonetheless i did not but i hear it was a great show then on the 15th this was the show that i went to uh, not exactly on purpose i got home on it was monday i was really burnt out i was emotionally and mentally and physically exhausted and I just kind of sheltered myself in my room, and I was just, like, picking up old tablatures, playing my bass and whatnot. And then my friend uh, Destiny texts me. She's like, hey, come to your mom's house. Okay, is that a request? It's a demand. <sighs> okay. So <laughs> went on over to your mom's house where the bands obviously narc, and Rat King, Rankin Vile, Fight the Future, and, <clears throat> and Snuff Tape were all playing and I got there a little late. I got there right as a Rat King was finishing up, but I was in time for Rankin Vile. And Rankin Vile, buddy, those guys are pretty crazy. They got that sort of old uh, power violence stuff. It's kind of a cross between Full of Hell and Gate Creeper. I even told that to uh, one of their members. Their tone, the guitar tone, sounds very much like Gate Creeper. And they're like, yep, it's the HM2 pedal, boss pedal, <laughs> the heavy metal boss pedal. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that all over the place. Yep. Because it's a good tone. It's a good, muddy, just punchy tone. I love it. So, Rank and Vile, I bought their record. They were great guys, great people, uh, great music. Of course, they're great guys. They're great people. <laughs> yeah, great music, super heavy. I loved it. 
And of course, Narc finished off their set, uh, finished off the night with their set. And I'm like, okay, Narc, great. Always a pleasure seeing them, especially with Emily. She is a fantastic front lady. She knows how to hold a crowd. She just has that wild-eyed serial killer look in her face. <laughs> <laughs> like, she just gets so aggressive. And, you know, offstage, such a sweet lady. She's so nice. She is just very reserved, but she can also be very funny. She's a... Oh, boy. <laughs> she's a weird lady, but that's why she sings at a power violence band. Nice. And, yeah, they killed it. And I bought my first NARC shirt. Cool. I realized... I don't own anything of Narcs. I should probably do that. So I bought a shirt from them. Awesome. And it's a great shirt. I'm sure they appreciate it. it. Yes, they do. That's all I had for uh, shows. Those were the two that I attended. Cool. And let's talk about the one that you have attended. I forget the name of the band. <laughs> we're going to get to it and we're going to do it real quick because we've got an interview to get to. So I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. Uh, last week on Wednesday, because we recorded Tuesday, I went and saw... The opening band, Power Man 5000, followed by Static X, followed by Mudvayne, followed by Rob Zombie. And I'm going to give you a, a quick... They were all fantastic. I showed up early because that venue, USANA Amphitheater, I've heard has having staffing issues, so it's taking a while to get in. So I got there. The show's supposed to start at 6. I got there at like 5.15. Well, right around like 6.05, got a little doomy and gloomy because this is an outdoor venue. And there was lightning out in the distance, so and I didn't even hear the thunder. They postponed the show. Uh, a little bit of rain came. I only ever heard thunder once. It wasn't even that close. Show finally got, the, they said around 7.30, so an hour and a half late, that where the show will go on. At 8 o'clock, the band, they pulled everything, had it all ready to go, and Power Man 5000 came on, and they played four songs, and they were done, so they played for 15 minutes. And, yes. And then... Uh, Static X, it was 10 minutes in between the two bands. Then Static X came on, and they played for 15 minutes. That's it, four songs. And they played uh, the first four songs uh, from Wisconsin Death Trip. Not in one, two, three, four order, but that was the four songs that they did play. And I thought Zero did a fantastic job. His vocals were very Wayne Static. Uh, I, I thought that he, he, he was great. Power Man 5000 was great. They, again, they only played the four songs. And then there was 35 minutes in between them and Mudvayne. So see how we're... Uh, the reason why I'm pointing that out is because th th they did have more shit on stage. But, man, 10 minutes in between the other two bands, and we have 35 minutes here. Mudvayne played for 45 minutes. They were great. I, I had never seen Mudvayne, but I've listened to them since their first album. Like, I bought yeah. that shit when it very first came out. It was brand new. And then it was 30 minutes in between them and Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie played for at least 55 minutes. I left a little early. I was a little tired, and I wanted to get out of there without being stuck in the traffic. He probably played yeah. even longer. So to sum it up, it was great. It was outdoors. The lightning waiting forever was bullshit. It sucks that Power Man 5000 and Static X played four songs. I mean, I've mm -hmm. been waiting to see Static X. Another one of those bands I've listened to forever. Unfortunately, never got to see him with Wayne Static, but mm -hmm. I get to see him play here. Orig the three original members plus zero singing, and they played four songs. It was great, though. No complaints. I did send Eric a text message, $45 a T-shirt. Yeah. You see that shit? I did see that. <laughs> that's, what, that's what USANA always does. Without fail, any band, doesn't matter which one, always $45 a shirt. Well, they do have non-band uh, people, uh, so staff members, a shit ton. There's like 15 people 
maybe more, but the one, the main t-shirt vending place, at least 15 people just grabbing shirts, right? And I told Eric, like I showed him at the first one, there's probably 10 people working it, and they only had the mud vein and Rob Zombie stuff, $45. I took pictures like, what the fuck? I mean, I, I would have bought a t-shirt if they were like 25. I probably, if the t-shirts were 25, I probably would have bought one from every band, right? I bought none because 45 bucks, I don't think so. And the Power Man 5000 shirt I got at the Power Man 5000 show from Liquid Joe's back mm-hmm. in February, March, I bought for $25 the exact same shirt they were selling for $45. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so know, know how to uh, play the field, friends. <laughs> right. The, to sum it up, because we got to get to the interview, uh, a lady sat next to me. I had a chair. Uh, her and her husband, boyfriend, whomever, it sounded like they drove down from Washington. They were beyond intoxicated. The lady was, like, hanging over the seats in front of me, crazy, like her leg kept fucking touching me, and I'm not like a touchy person. I don't like it when people touch me. So yeah, <laughs> she kept touching me unintentionally. I didn't like it, uh, but I just sat there, let her enjoy her show. I thought she was going to, like, flip over the front uh, of the seat because <laughs> she was really, like, fucking hanging out over. And on, uh, I didn't see her Power Man 5000, made her way to the seat for Static X, she tried to chat me up. That's why I know she was there from uh, Washington. She drove down from Washington for the show hmm. and had a bunch of conversation I didn't want to have because it was just about a bunch of dumb shit I didn't care about. But <laughs> uh, she listened to all of Mudvayne, and on the very last song uh, that Mudvayne played, because she kind of worked her way. I was like four seats from the aisle. She was like at the edge over by the... Uh, the, uh, the last seat, because the, mm. there was a lot of openings, like I told you. The weather wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great, so I think a lot of people bailed because we had to sit for over an hour and a half waiting for them to say the show can go on. So she, you know, it's a little bit sloped at USANA. She was on the end, and out of the corner of my eye, right as the song starts to play, like I just see this dart flying down. Well, I don't know if she just wanted to make a mad rush for the barrier, or if she just fucking worked her way outside the seat, but she fucking went and dive-bombed face first, uh, maybe like 15 feet from our seats, fucked herself up. She wasn't even moving. There was about 15 staff members. They had to, like, uh, because of where it was located, get her in, like, the cinch bag type thing, and after, like, 15 minutes, she was not moving and picked her up and hauled her away. That was how my show went. So there we go. That's what uh, I had for that show. Uh, I recommend seeing any of the bands if they're still out doing the Freaks on Parade tour. There's a few shows I'm going to mention, not very many, before Eric if mentions any if he has them, and we got to get moving, so I'm going to do this quickly. On August 20th at Study Hall, uh, 313 East Calumet Street. I'm sure this is probably somewhere, oh, it's Appleton, Wisconsin, maybe? Yep, Appleton, Wisconsin, because our buddies in Radio Hate will be playing with The Onions and Elmer Glueskin. There is no cover, but it's a 21 and older show. Music starts at 8, so if you're nearby... Go see that show. I told you early on, Spirit World starting their tour. Uh, they're doing some shows in the UK right now. Uh, oh, they actually just wrapped those up. They'll be playing in Las Vegas, and then they'll actually be starting tour August 23rd in Oakland. They'll go to Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, Boise on the 29th. They'll be here in Salt Lake City on the 30th, then moving on to Denver, Chicago, Detroit, Toronto, and then several other bands. Uh, go look up Spirit at Spirit World. Profit, if you want to check them out, I'm going to go see them here in Salt Lake City. That Beach Beer Chaos show that I've been talking about, it's uh, the warm-up shows were today, obviously, it being over in Badalona. 
those shows have already happened, and by the time you're listening, it'll probably be getting close to starting for Thursday the 18th. You can see Legion 76, Violent Way, Force Majeure, Crown, Dying Breed, all great bands on the 19th. The Chisel, Hard Cell, Brooks, uh, Top Novel, Faction S on the Saturday the 20th, uh, Reconquista, Miboro, Savage Beat, Exili, Nagon, and finally The Hangover Party, which is an earlier show on the 21st. Uh, they'll have a bunch of club music and so forth. So go check that out. Beach, beer, chaos. Uh, it's going on. So if you're not in Badalona, you're not going to see it. But if you are, tell us how it went. And finally, I'm going to mention Lenny Lashley's Gang of One. He's got a new album that will be coming out in December. And he is starting tonight. He's in Copenhagen. So he's probably already done by the time we're recording this. But it'll be, like I said last week, uh, playing uh, several shows in Germany, Czech Republic, Belgium, Netherlands, go look up at Lenny Lashley if you want to see all of those. But from now through August 28th, he'll be playing several of those shows. Eric, what do you have to add so we can get on? Well, I, well I got a few. On the uh, 18th, um, for you metalheads out there, uh, the band Sanguisgabog. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> That's such a stupid name. Whatever. Uh, they will be playing Kilby Court with Undeath and Nomas. That'll start at 7 p.m. and is $16 entry. Cool. Also on the 18th, um, the ba- our friends in Milk Money. Sweet. And Mouth are, they gotten localized by Slug. You may have seen that. If you're a reader of Slug Magazine, then you know what's up. And they'll be playing their localized festival at Urban Lounge. And that'll start at 8 p.m. and is $5.00. And the band Frick will be open up for him. And Frick is uh, important to me because that is my drummer Sid's other band. Oh, cool. So, yeah. She'll be playing, she'll be playing with them. It's going to be a fun show. I'm going to go check that out. $5 entry. And, yeah, like I said, 21 plus. Then on Saturday, the 20th, um, The Devil Wears Prada and Straight From The Path and Dying Wish will be playing at the Complex. If you haven't got your tickets yet, they're $25.00. And they'll be starting at 7.30. I know DK, my guitarist, will be going to that. I even, I even lifted one of the tour posters for him. I just stole <laughs> it right off the bulletin board of Kilby Court. It's like, this is yours now. Also on the 20th at the Mile High Club, All Systems Fail, Betty, Dysentery, and Mokosos will, be, or Mokosos will be playing. That'll start at 6.30 and bring some pocket cash for that. It's donations. Um, then on the 22nd at the Beehive... Take It to Heart, Broken Vow, Degeneration, XXX, and Absolved will all be playing. That's 7 p.m. as a $10 entry. And on the 23rd, this isn't a punk show, but it's going to be really cool because it's fucking Jizza. Jizza <laughs> from the Wu-Tang Clan, Genius Zigzagala. He'll be playing at Urban Lounge. And I don't know how much it costs, and I hear that it's sold out. And if it is, then, well, I got nothing more to say other than Pretty cool, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, on the uh, 25th, Elvis Costello and the Imposters will be playing at the Sandy Amphitheater with ah. Knock Low. 7 p.m., $60. I wish I were attending that show, but I got other obligations because the 25th is when Crucial Fest starts. Nice. 25th through the 28th. I will not talk about it here because, oh, we're going to be talking about it a lot in the next couple of episodes. Awesome. Just you wait. <laughs> But I'm excited for that one. But if you're not going to Crucial Fest that that day, the 25th, check out Elvis Costello. I'll be talking a lot more about him in in just a few minutes, actually. And by a few minutes, we mean uh, close to another half hour. 
Right. <laughs> Another well, hour. Uh, we got the interview. Right. We have an interview to get to, so we're going to get into Eric's great cover-to-cover album. Eric. Yes, tell yes. Tell us about it. Okay. There is no other way to properly introduce this album than simply, My war! You're one of them, you say that you're my friend, but you're one of them! <laughs> oh, hell yes. Yes, I am now officially talking about my absolute favorite Black Flag LP. And I say LP. I do not hold this in, in regard to Nervous Breakdown or Six Pack or Jealous Again. You know why? Because those are EPs. Unmistakably, they are three to four songs long. That is an EP, not an LP. And if you want to know what my favorite EP of those are... That's a story for another day. We're going to keep talking about the LP. And my war, it is the, it is the album that really uh, sold me on Black Flag. I was introduced to them through the album uh, Slip It In, which came out after my war. And I was like, this is pretty, <laughs> this is pretty ridiculous uh, punk music. I'm digging it. And, but my war is kind of the center point of Flag, Black Flag's career, at least in that time from 76 to 86. If you listen to the stuff uh, pre-Henry Rollins, that's where it's like unmistakably punk rock. It's hardcore, you know, all the stuff with Keith Morris, Ron Rise, Des Kadena. You know, it was punk as fuck. And then when Rollins came in, that's also when uh, Greg Ginn started to be smoking a lot of weed, listening to a lot of Sabbath, and getting all, all psyched out with his guitar playing. And the later part of Black Flag's uh, discography, especially in the last few releases, like Loose Nut and Family Man, he is getting really weird with his guitars, just long jam sessions while Henry is, like, going on this uh, <laughs> this rant of all this uh, disheveled poetry he'd been writing, <laughs> especially in Family Man. It is such a weird album. It just, uh, it's just like, I'm not... <laughs> I don't want to dissuade anyone from listening to it, and I'm not going to knock on Black Flag. It's like, yeah, you're experimenting. You know, that's what artists do. You know, you've been a band for almost a decade at that point. So, yeah, you want to change shit up, but you lost the plot somewhere. You really alienated <laughs> your fans, man. It's like, who was this for? Punks who just discovered Sabbath? And I don't think it's pleasing either of those camps, buddy. Because, right. oh, God. Whatever, the, the thing is, my war, it has both of those elements on there. And if you listen to the first half, it is the punk rock stuff. And the last half, the last three songs, they cap out to about uh, six, seven minutes. <laughs> those are definitely the Sabbath worship songs. And it's not like this was new to Black Flag. I mean, their first LP, Damaged, particularly if you listen to the title track, that's where it gets the sort of weird uh, psychedelic, the heavy psych stuff while uh, Rollins is going all like, is just like beating his head against the wall. We'll be talking about that in a minute. And just like getting really aggressive and it's just like all this ranting that doesn't exactly have a point to it. <laughs> but they still had their hardcore stuff. I mean, they had spray paint the walls. They had six pack and they had... Probably their biggest anthem next to Nervous Breakdown. Rise above! We're gonna rise above! Nice. I got that tattooed on my leg, man, so I know it exists. <laughs> so, yeah, my war, it was playing both of those camps very evenly. So I wanted to uh, 
I'm like, yeah, let's choose a punk one, let's choose a Sabbathy one. But because we are pressed for time on this episode, I'm not going to bore you with a seven-minute song from the last half of that album. So I decided to choose what is actually my favorite Black Flag song. And it does play both those ends. It, it is a little long, but it caps out at five minutes. Just about five <laughs> minutes. Don't worry. And it's got the weird stringy stringy guitars, the sort of jazzy, groovy uh, drum beats. Thank you, Bill Stevenson, one of the greatest punk drummers of all time. I will stand by that. And, and really, it's my favorite because of the lyrics. It's all about holding a front around certain people. The lyrics like, I always wear a smile. Because anything but a smile would make me have to explain, and they wouldn't understand anyway. <laughs> I conceal my feelings so I don't have to explain what I can't explain. <laughs> yeah. And you, it just sounds like little stuff you would write in your little high school notebook, just like, I hate this. This life sucks. But the way that it's presented, oh boy, it just sounds so aggressive. So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let the song speak for itself. This is my favorite Black Flag song from my favorite Black Flag album. It's Can't Decide.
yeah, you get a little bit of that weird guitar stuff that Greg was uh, gonna soon just uh, really run with in right? the later catalog, and eventually his uh, solo project that I don't even remember the name, and I don't really care to because I saw it live when Black Flag trademark Black Flag came through <laughs> uh, back in 2014. You know, that's how Black Flag is. It's Greg Ginn is Black Flag. He owns the title. And Flag, yeah, they, they have everything else. <laughs> it's like Black Flag, you may, Greg Ginn, you may have the name, but Flag has the spirit. Right. And they got all the best members. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them twice, and they fucking deliver it every time. And Stephen Egerton, yeah, he's a great guitarist. He's the guy from The Descendants. Anyway... <clears throat> yeah, that's the stuff that was like, I feel, uh, best exemplifies both sides of that album, you know, and, you know, you hear the stuff on there that, you know, you could hear it, you hear the influence of bands like, uh, bands from the sludge scene later down the line, you know, and a lot of bands from the hardcore scene did run with that sludge movement, Corrosion of Conformity did it. Now, Melvins did it, and Neurosis did it. They all started off with their humble punk beginnings, but in the 90s, they kind of laid the foundation for more Sabbath-inspired tunes. And then along comes the New Orleans sludge from I Hate God, from Down, and Soylent Green, and Crowbar. They took that stuff, and they made it grimier. Cool. So you can thank Black Flag for that, and also, by way, uh, grunge. Yeah. But that's a that's a different genre that need not be talked about. <laughs> we'll save we'll save that for another day. Black Flag, yeah. Before they got all uh, weird with their music, this was the album that really kind of sold me on them. And yeah, they still have a lot of great punk rock tracks on here. I mean, I mean the title track that's a classic. You can't get a you can't get more classic than that, <laughs> except for Nervous Breakdown. But as far as LPs go. This, uh, My War, and then Rise Above. That's how I put it. But yeah, then you got the demented I Love You. You got the more uh, jazzy ragtime swinging man. But then you have the aggressive, but also incredibly catchy beat my head against the wall. Like you hear it. It's verse, pre-chorus, and chorus. Then verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and it ends. Two and a half minutes, beat my head against the wall. Let's go and do it now.
pretty pretty straightforward. Even in that pre-chorus, it has some melody in there to where you can actually sing along with it. But damn if it be damned if it loses its aggression, right? Because it doesn't. <laughs> I think it's funny that that's following uh, "Can't Decide." I mean, the songs were written by uh, different people. You know, Greg Ginn wrote it. Chuck Dukowski wrote some other songs, but. I think it's just funny the way that's set up. Just can't decide is like you're having an identity crisis and then beat my head against the wall is just you like, I just want to be fucking angry. <laughs> that's all I am right now. And yeah, the, you've seen the way that Rollins is built. You've seen the way that he acts, uh, acted on stage. The infamous punching the kid in the face. <laughs> oh man, never gets old. He's not the, uh, he's not the very reserved and composed, well-spoken artist that he is today. <laughs> it wasn't always that way. <laughs> anyway, Black Flag, classic band, classic uh, classic album. And you could say that they really set the trend for a lot of uh, heavy music that followed. It was one of the earliest uh, crossbreeding of uh, metal and hardcore, at least from the at least from the West Coast. Okay. So so yeah, in metal Everyone says all roads lead back to Sabbath, but in hardcore, all roads lead back to Flag. <laughs> That's how I see it. And yeah, Flag had everything. They had the logo, they had the uh, Raymond Pettibon artwork, and they had the they just had the attitude. They were the ones that really set laid a lot of the groundwork and gave the touring roadmap to all the hardcore bands who were like booking shows over phone calls and just trying to figure out ways to get there. They had no idea what was going on, and Black Flag just kind of, uh, was, they were the trailblazers. So, yep, thank you, Black Flag, for everything you do. And that was the first tattoo I ever got. The bars. Typical, I know. But, <laughs> yeah, everyone, who's, everyone who uh, has listened to Black Flag and, like, obsess over the music, they have them somewhere in their body. <laughs> and I do. All right, we're going to get to Crazy in the Brains. They've got a new track they just released last week on August 12th. It's a new single, Open Eyes. Uh, without giving too much of a spoiler, that's the end of a chapter in the band. We're going to get to the interview immediately following this track. So we're going to play the newest tracks from the band, Open Eyes Now. Post-interview, we'll get to Eastside, both of which uh, produced by Pete in Bouncing Souls. And I'll let you, uh, the interview go into more details about the band, but I really dig this band. Glad Christoph reached out. It's definitely one of those bands I've spent a lot of my free time in the last couple weeks checking out just because there is enough because the band started almost 10 years ago. Not quite 10, but I think around 10 years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, uh, won't spoil it. Interview's coming. Here we go. Crazy in the Brains with open eyes immediately followed by Christoph and I on an interview. Friend of me, until you started stealing like we didn't raise you better. I used to love you, love the toy, we grew up together. But don't then, and it ain't like that now. It ain't safe for you to come back around. Up above your
yourself You're sleeping with your demons and then waking up in hell I'm laughing now what I once thought was grief Grasping for cloud but you're still out of reach It's hard to see this odyssey unfolding like it does But I'll turn my back on you if I got to do it girl I love you once but it ain't like that now It ain't safe for you to come back Joining me now from Crazy in the Brains, Christoph. Christoph, thank you for taking the time to join us on the show and talk to us about your band. Yes, what's up? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, band just dropped a new uh, single, Open Eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. Before we get into that track, is it a, a series of something leading up? You know, some bands, uh, you know, if you have a work in progress, especially since COVID happened, you know, some some processes for people have been a little more delayed so if you're working on some you know larger body of work some bands they you know they drop a single here drop a single there leading up to it instead of having that large void in between releases what what's your guys's plans with you know for example you did punk rocker not you know within the last year east side about five months ago and then we ju- just dropped open eyes are you just working on singles? Are you working on something larger that those might be included in? This, the song "Open Eyes" is, is the is the last song uh, of a group of of a group of singles that we recorded when uh, during a period of time when shows weren't really happening, right? So right. We were in the studio, studio, uh, just recording, you know, what we had at the moment, and it's also the last song featuring um, the lineup with xylophone. Uh, featured in the band so it's kind of like a an ending of one chapter and then the beginning of the next chapter is starting actually next week we're in the studio with pete from bouncing souls and recording another huge bunch of songs so it's going to be a completely different lineup and um new music new vibe everything is new so that's kind of the end of an era in a sense that that song open eyes so i'm soaking on it i'm excited I'm excited to get it out. Uh, That leads me to a whole bunch of questions. So before I get to these other questions, hopefully I remember them. Let's talk specifically about Open Eyes. It just came out. Tell us a little bit about that track. What does it mean? It's the end of an era. We'll get into the why the end of the xylophone because I had questions leading up, uh, you know, going into that. So let's just talk specifically about Open Eyes right now. Yeah, it was a song. Again, I wrote it during during a time where we weren't playing shows a lot, so it was a lot of it was, it was a time for reflection. You know, um, I spent a lot of time just with my guitar, um, getting feelings out, 
you know, kind of evaluating my life. I, and, and, and the song specifically is about relationships with friends and, and loved ones that went sour or went, went in, a, in a way that you didn't expect it to go. And kind of like being aware of people's intentions and, and it's, 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 a, it's a song of reflection. It actually has nothing to do with the transition of the band and, and the lineup and, 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 and the changes that, that happened there. But like, as soon as I started showing it to people, everyone thought that it was about the band members that are gone now, but it actually has nothing to do with them. But I think it's cool how, how songs can do that, right? Like you, you write them and, and, they, and they mean sort of one thing in the moment, but then they kind of take on a life of their own. Right. And they start to mean different things to different people or even different th- something different to you because it, it starts to become relevant to situations that you never really thought it was meant to be. And uh, that's kind of what happened with this song. And what you know, I, I, it's cool. Like it, it's that's that's what that's what one of my favorite parts about songwriting and and being just a huge fan of music in general is like I love how fluid songs can can be right where they don't necessarily have to be about one specific moment in time. Um, they kind of transcend uh, those type of restrictions and limitations, and uh, that's definitely what this song became. Yeah, I think good songwriting is that where you you can have something it means something specific to you as the songwriter but uh kind of leaves it as you said fluid but or you know kind of open-ended for interpretation to the listener and yeah. I, I think that's what great music can do me uh being the the way my brain is wired man if i was writing stuff which i've written things before personally but it's just very like this is what it is, you know. It's not as as open ended yeah. uh, for interpretation. And just as you said, you could write a great song that means something in that moment, but then worldwide pandemic or some mm-hmm. you know some other catastrophe or something that doesn't even have to be terrible, but something else happens, and it means something to people to hear that song in that moment. That's why, like, I, I was never like too interested in hearing artists like explain what a song is about because i like attach my own meaning to the song you know and and it's same with like visual art you know i was never really super into like art history and 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 stuff like that because it's like i look at a painting or or a piece or whatever it's like i know what this means to me and i'm cool with that like i i i think that's what's that's what's so exciting and 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 uh and energizing about art in general is is that exact thing that it's it's like there's there's limitless interpretations of what of what something can mean you know so, right let's get into we'll we'll rewind so how long when did the band start you know I, I'm getting my information I am newer to actually hearing your band's music as we were talking about before we got the interview going like I'd seen the band's name on flyers for. Uh, festivals and other shows and you know playing bands and there's just so many bands out there and there's still so many on the the mental list to get to especially doing a show like this there's so many bands that uh eventually got to get to so i'm glad i got to yours but how long's the band been around i get my information off of discog social media and so forth uh looks like your first release according to it discogs that is 2011 when about did the band start that's probably around the time our first album came out in 2013. 
we were doing our thing a little bit before. I don't honestly, I don't really know the exact year. I I, I started the the bands before it even really had a name or, or or necessarily like a focus. It was just me, and it was my first attempt at writing my own music. I had I had been in bands before, and I was the bass player, and I did like you know like background vocals and like maybe a verse here and there. But like I was cool with like being the bass player and kind of chilling on the side, you know, and like not really being in the spotlight. But then all those bands fizzled out and kids decided to pursue other careers and, and relationships or whatever. But I was still very much interested in, in being in, in the punk movement and playing music. So I was like, all right, how do I continue this? Um, I don't have a band. Well, I'll just, I'll just try and write my own music. So I picked up the guitar. And I started doing open mics and just playing like whatever I had, like I half written songs and, 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 and just ideas. And I would play it in front of pretty huge crowds because the open mic scene in, in New York city at the time was really vibrant. And like you showed up at an open mic, you had eight minutes to perform and the crowd was always filled, like, you know, half with other artists, half with just people who were just wanted to hang out and drink and like party or whatever. So that's how the band got started. And by the time 2013 came around, I, I had, I found a few people that were interested in, in doing this thing, like, like being in a band. Um, so that's when our first album came out. And then from there on, you know, it's been evolving and, and, and changing and, and uh, people have been coming and going like ever since. I'm, I'm the only original person from its inception, but the xylophone, was part of the mix like pretty pretty early on um and and the kid who played xylophone was 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 a friend of mine uh jeff uh someone i grew up with the xylophone was a fixture in the band since our since our first album there's a there's a few releases demos like like i would burn cds and and, and like give them out at punk shows with just me on guitar but that's like kind of hard to find i don't i don't there's not many of many copies of that out there or if there are i don't know like who has them but like <laughs> most of all all of our recorded music for the most part as far as i can uh, recall has xylophone on it um and that was played by jeff but yeah that's not a part of, that's not a part of the band anymore we're going to move on to what is in store for the band but before we do i want to just talk about the xylophone uh yeah you know i've done episodes <laughs> before uh the, the saxophone featured in punk music, and I really enjoy yeah. that, but it's unique. You know, there's not a lot of bands, and even in the tracks that may feature it, there's very few bands, maybe minus a ska band, but they have so many other horns as well. But uh, the, the saxophone is featured pretty rarely, and sometimes a track from a band, not, you know, a featured instrument such as your band with the xylophone. And I, there's songs out there that i think have xylophone in it i, I can't think of any offhand i, I want to say no effects probably has something it seems like something they might have done on a track but yeah. and, and there might be a couple bands out there that have done a track but not not mm -hmm. what your band has done and i think it's really cool before i heard the music if somebody would have said you know xylophone in punk tracks for a, a band specifically i thought huh i wonder what that sounds like not knowing, you know, is it going to be good? Is it whatever? But then I heard your music and it's fantastic and it really added to it. May, I don't know if that's something that some people might have 
felt like, hey, it separated your music from other music. I have no idea. But why the xylophone? It was definitely um, purposeful, and, and, and there was an intent behind it. Um, from day one, when I started making music solo, I knew, even kind of without trying, that the songs I was making were a little bit sideways and a little bit different because at the time, my, my guitar skills were somewhat pr primitive, and uh, the lyrics that I was interested in writing were, were, were lyrics that were more abstract and personal, but like the type of music that I was in interested in was like always more outsider music. Like, like you bring up the saxophone, right? Like I, I love the X-Ray Specs. That was a band that I loved uh, and still do. And, you know, Bob Dylan was, was a huge influence. Uh, the Moldy Peaches, like I, there's so much music I love, but when drawing inspiration for, for like how I was going to write songs, those are some of the, acts that came to mind and i always wanted to approach this with something new and something unique i wanted to i wanted to have something exciting to offer and not just do the same old generic shit because how many guys with a guitar are there out there just an acoustic guitar a guy and acoustic guitar and to me that was the concept behind that was very limiting and and kind of corny so <laughs> I wanted to do something different because um, that's what was exciting to me. So once I convinced Jeff to to get involved, he was he agreed. Like he was like, "Yeah, we let's 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 do something something different with this punk rock, you know, like and not and not just mimic what's already been done." It started out with with him playing drums, so it was me on guitar, him on drums, and it was super like white stripes, black keys. But it wasn't like, and we actually played a few shows like that, but it, it wasn't like, it wasn't interesting enough for us. Like the songs were cool. We, we I liked the songs I was coming up with. I liked, I liked the lyrics, like whatever, but we weren't satisfied. So we're like, all right, how can we like deconstruct this and dig a little deeper? He was going to school at the time for classical percussion. And he had his, he had a marimba at his house that he stole from his high school because <laughs> uh, he couldn't afford one, but he needed one. So he stole it from his high school and he was just laying around like kind of collecting dust. He, he, he really didn't need to like thoroughly learn how to play. He just needed to know the basics. But we noticed it there in his, in his bedroom. Like, oh, what about this? Let's mess around with this. So we did. And, and, and instantly we were excited. We were like, yo, this sounds awesome. I like this. So he ditched the drums. I ditched the electric guitar because uh, I went from acoustic to electric and I went back to acoustic. And we started just writing songs just with those two instruments. And, and, and uh, for a year or so, I don't remember the time, like, um, that's what the band was. It was just me and him and Xylophone. And it wasn't until our first album 20, in 2013 that we incorporated a, a full backing band behind it. But yeah, it was always, it was, there was always intent behind it, you know? Uh, it wasn't, to us, like, it wasn't a gimmick. Like, we wanted, to, we wanted it to be very clear. Like, this isn't just thrown in for as a novelty like we're committed to this you know right um, the same way the x-ray specs had the, had the saxophone or or even like bruce springsteen had the, had the saxophone or you know like this was this was part of the of the the blueprint and the foundation uh of the structure of the band at that time for years that's great and it your sound doesn't you know i went back and listened you know when i first uh heard 
you, you reached out and you forwarded the link to the video for Punk Rocker, and that's the first track yeah. that I heard. Then I listened to the Iggy Pop, Teddy Bear's version, and then like, all right, I got to go back and, well, what else do these guys have? What, what other sound? And so I went on to Spotify and just started going down that list. And then after I heard, you know, a handful of songs there, like, all right, I'm going to go to the albums. And I went and went through Let Me Go and Into the Ugly and listened to the tracks there. And none of that, I mean, even Let Me Go, that was your 2013 release. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing on there. It doesn't come across that way, like a, a gimmick. This just sounds, it, it's a very intentional. And it has a yeah. cool sound. And I, I think personally with the sound, there's a lot of punk rock music. And I think that's where the, the punk rock, maybe that's what it comes from. But it has a lot of that kind of 50s music sound. And I just get yeah. that vibe with some of, when I hear some of those tracks. And I don't know that I specifically xylophone, because I don't, you know, I'm not definitely a, not an aficionado or anything like that of anything 50s. It just has mm-hmm. that vibe. And I don't remember a xylophone being a prominent instrument in a lot of that t- style of music, but just what you were putting out. And so it doesn't sound like, hey, check us out. We're, we're the xylophone guy. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's cool music. Just like there's so many varieties, styles, genres, subgenres, whatever people want to call them in punk rock. It's just, it's, a, it's a, your own thing and it all fits together under that punk rock umbrella. Yeah. I mean, that's, Again, like to us, like what was what was uh, exciting and inspiring about the punk movement was the freedom, you know, and, and, and the uh, experimentation in, in the early days of the movement. Obviously, I wasn't there, but like studying it and, and, and being a fan of it, like that's what it was about. Right. Like, no, no two bands really sounded the same. I mean, and that then later down the line, like years later, it sort of kind of morphed into this like uniform kind of like very rigid style and like i wasn't really into that i was into the more like artistic freedom of the movement and that's why we did it the way, the way we did it and why we do it the way we do it so yeah so i chose the xylophone <laughs> that that's a great uh before we move on to again you know more of where the band is going at this point i noticed you have just a uh, a couple cover tracks and I always like to ask the bands you know on the specific tracks that you chose to cover what about those tracks and again I think you guys did a great job I like the Jim Carroll track that you guys did obviously yes. that, that one with Iggy Pop that we were just talking about I, I really think that you got what, what you did you made it your own and Anybody listening, if you haven't seen the video, you should go check out the video too. Sometimes you hear a track, you can like it, but sometimes uh, it, when the video gets put out and the videos are just, I don't know, it adds such a, another great element to it and you're missing out if you haven't seen that yet. So I recommend going and watching that video. But why those tracks, the, the Happy Christmas War is over as well. What about the mm-hmm. tracks that you've covered uh, made you pick those? Covers, I, I, I only, and we've done quite a few covers, and I'm only interested in doing a cover if I feel like I could add something to the legacy of the song. So we've definitely done a lot of covers that no one has ever heard, or maybe have only heard live once, because while they may have sounded cool, you know, we, or I didn't feel like we added anything to to the legacy, and, and the songs that you do hear are, are ones that I think that we did accomplish that right and like right. with with punk rocker that was a song that i've loved since high school i just stumbled upon it uh, i never knew who the teddy bears really were but i knew iggy pop and 
I heard this version with them together and, and I just I just loved it. And and then that year on my birthday, I, I drove to the to the waterfront uh in Jersey City. For some reason I just like got reminded of, of the song and I just blasted it in the car for like over on repeat for hours and hours and I was just vibing and having a moment like reflecting on life. I'm like, damn, I forgot how much I love the song. And then I came home or whatever. And then like that week, I'm like, yo, we should cover this. And and, and I reminded uh, the group at the time of the song. and Everyone was into it. We didn't have a drummer at the time. So Jeff played drums and we kind of just captured the atmosphere of the moment. You know, it was, again, during a time where shows weren't happening. So everyone was kind of in a weird mood. And I uh, I wrote some lyrics that just kind of like came out of nowhere and I'm like oh okay this this will make sense in this song added my own verse because that's something that I that I always do when I cover a song I have to add my own verse like there's not a cover song that we have recorded that I didn't add my own verse because again like what I was saying earlier like I want to add to the legacy of the song right so and you did that absolutely thank you well thank you I appreciate that with with punk rocker I mean like we always hope we're adding to the to the legacy of the song and we hope that the artists, whether they're looking down from the heavens or they're here, that they, they're into what we're doing. But with Punk Rocker, we actually got the cosign from Iggy himself. He ended up sending us an email. It's a whole long letter of him explaining how he feels about the song and he's into it and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that was like the biggest moment. That's something like you can only dream of, right? And right. Like to have that happen was like amazing. So it was really cool to know that okay, he we we hope we did we did the other covers justice, but with this one, we know for a fact Iggy approves. So like, it was awesome. But yeah, every cover we do, you know, it's that same sentiment. It's that same uh, attitude. We're just it's just about really loving the song and feeling like you know what I think I can add to this because maybe it's like feeling a connection, almost like this like sort of spiritual subliminal kind of like conversation with the artist right. but like not to get too hippie <laughs> on you but like <laughs> but like that's that's what always inspires the song like the john lennon song you know it was kind of like uh just just reflecting on on the times uh the the, the political chaos what was going on in the moment and it was just feeling like you know what this song is very necessary right now and again throw my own lyrics in there jim carroll same thing you know um same exact inspiration uh so yeah every, every cover we pick there's purpose behind it right different interpretation kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning of the show where you you or somebody can write a song and it means something to them can mean something to somebody else but then a different time happens i mean i don't know how many years where do we probably 40 something years in between when john lennon put that song out and then when you did that cover but it meant yeah. something to you for that moment you added to it and yeah. it you know it meant something different then i'm sure than it meant for other people that were hearing it back when john lennon originally wrote it yeah man it's kind of like that uh that tim armstrong quote he has in um the song indestructible through music we can live forever like i think that's really true and uh songs kind of transcend time you know and like like you like you just said they 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 begin to mean something new to each generation um if they're good if they're good songs right 
right? If they're written the right way, you know, not yeah. naming specific people and specific places and specific events from like 1970, yeah. people would be like, I don't really know any of that. I didn't live through it, but write it in a way where you can interpret it. And then someone like yourself can add to it as well. Uh, yeah. I, great, great songwriting. And that's the great thing about music too, is that mm-hmm. it can mean something. And then people want to connect. That's why music's so good. Even though, we live in an era in the last 20 years where it's probably a lot harder for musicians overall because of the nature of the, the digital world and all that. Music is always still going to be relevant and there'll always be a way to, to reach out, to connect, and hopefully, and hopefully to keep the artists able to fund themselves into continuing to do it too. <laughs> 100%, yeah. I mean, music for me is, is, my, is, my, um, is my most uh, accurate form of communication you know so right. it's like so uh i have the, the the utmost you know respect and and love for it so i'll always you know i'm, I'm always going to be doing this you know that's great uh what what does the band have to come what what's in the future we covered kind of where you're you're at a divergent point or where we've closed one chapter as of last week when the song released essentially i mean for the for everybody looking on at crazy of the brains not specifically for the band i'm sure that changed before last week but Mm -hmm. that released that's a chapter closed for all of us that are listening what what's the next chapter have to come um so we're going to be in the studio next week with uh pete from the bouncing souls pete steinkoff the guitar the guitar player for the bouncing souls we're going to be recording in his studio um next week we got a batch of songs i don't know if it's going to be an album or an ep or whatever like we've got like 20 30 songs we're just going to see where it you know where the mood takes us um but yeah uh there's new people i'm playing with new people um and musically the song the 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 group is is leaving i don't want to call them restrictions but for lack of a better word like leaving the restrictions of of uh the uh the instrumentation that we've been known for you know um i don't really have an exact kind of layout for you but i just know that i can just tell you that it's going to be new and it's going to be different and and i'm really excited for it um because you know from day one the band has always been about and i've always been about um evolution you know and there's really not a ton of bands or artists that have been necessarily great at making the same album over and over again right like you got like the ramones and motorhead they kind of did that but I've always been interested in in the type of music that evolved and, and, and changed over the years. And I've always been about that. And this is just continuing that that uh that process, you know. There's um, always gonna be fans though, right? There's there's people that are gonna love you, your band, what you guys have done, and then as it evolves, I think it, when you have like really divergent path, for example, you know, back in the '90s, I listened to two good examples. Like, well, shit, three, three or four. You know, back when uh, like Sugar Ray, Seven Dust, 
mm-hmm. you know, these are all kind of new metal bands, but punk-ish in, in some of the, and they played a lot of the same festivals. That's where I came across a lot of these bands. But their first couple albums, Sugar Ray's the, the most extreme example. Like, if you listen to their first album, and even, like, about half of their second album, it is a lot of very punk, borderline, hardcore, whatever you want to call it. But then they just went to, you know, like radio rock, pop rock, whatever you want to call it for everything else after that, right? And so if you're into both styles, you're going to follow the band and be happy. And if you were like me, it's like, great for them. I'm glad they were successful and they did their thing for whatever the reasons were. But I'm going to be that guy that's like, no, I like their first two albums best. And, you know, same goes for some of those other bands, Seven Dust. I love that band, their first couple albums, but then they just kind of got softer and softer and, you know, stained and disturbed were some of those other examples. I think their singers, not necessarily the entire band, might have went in a slightly different direction, right? And so these are a little more extreme examples of, you know, changing a sound, but there's plenty of other bands that have done something, kind of what you're describing, and it's like, well, it's not that much different audibly I already like the band, and when you're a, a fan of just a lot of music in general and you're not the, well, if it's not grindcore, I'm out, and the band changed from being a grindcore band into whatever, you know, then people are like, yeah, it's still under the same umbrella of all the music that I listen to, so it's not a, yeah, not like a crazy thing where it's like, I like crazy in the brains up until the xylophone was gone, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine that being a thing where people are going to be, I'm out. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The, the xylophone was cool. And I guess that's going to lead me to the next question I have is, so you guys have performed basically the majority of all of a- any shows and all your music up to this point with the xylophone. So going forward into playing shows, what is your plan? You know, it, it's always, I, I went and saw some bands play, Shit, it was Power Man 5000. I still go listen to some of those old new metal bands when they come around. And I saw them play back in February. And they're playing a couple of their new... They've, they've made music all since the 90s. Not just in the 90s. They decided to get back together. And people are heckling from the background after like five songs. Play your old stuff. <laughs> you know? And I would assume that you know fans of your band are still going to want to hear some of those tracks. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to have the xylophone there but what is your plan for playing the tracks up to this point at your live shows yeah so we've been we've been touring um we've been touring uh a few months i forget how many months we were out this year um with a new lineup and uh it's um we have Allie on on keyboards who comes from uh she comes from a bunch of ska bands um, that she's been playing in years. One of them is called Stop the Presses. The other is called Rude Girl Review. Um, so she's on keyboards, and uh, we have a few other people filling in on bass here and there. And uh, it's been awesome, you know. Like it, it, it essentially at the end of the day, a, a marimba or a xylophone is is a keyboard, right? You know? It's just it's just struck instead of instead of played the way a keyboard is so that's that's the direction we were headed uh that's that's where we're headed and uh it was immediately it was immediately welcomed you know so i'm i'm like i mean to be honest like i didn't really give a fuck 
what people thought. I mean, I want people to like it, right? Like, right. But like, I know I have to make the type of music that is authentic to me, and like, I'm just not the type of type of artist or the type of person that's just gonna just go with what's popular or what what is pleasing. Like, th- that's the direction I wanted to go, you know. And 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 everyone who I was with felt the same. So, luckily, I just you know happened to meet Ali and uh she's an amazing artist and an, an amazing person and was like the perfect fit for what for the songs that i was making so we linked up we did a bunch of tours this year with the with that lineup and nobody nobody really questioned it to be honest like which is cool and and, and is and is uh really encouraging and, and 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 just just like really rad to know that the type of the type of kids and the type of people that listen to us are, are, are that open-minded i mean i figured they would be but you never know like what people are gonna think you know right or how rigid people are you know like oh like you were saying like some people i think of the band afi right like yeah they've changed so much over the years and there's a lot of people that just hate what they do now like because it's not similar to what how they started sure yeah. but for luckily for 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 me and for us like our fans and supporters loved it and rolled with it. Um, so, yeah, I'm stoked. Um, and uh, I'm really stoked, too. Well, I think you're right, though. The the keyboard, record. it's not too distant. It, you know, the sound's got to be pretty similar to the xylophone. So hearing it live, I don't think you would really notice that much of a difference where you'd be like, oh, this doesn't sound right. Yeah, I mean... You know, with a keyboard, you've got you've kind of got a lot more freedom, right? Because you're not locked into one specific sound, right? Um, they have there's a lot more options. It's also obviously louder, right? Right. Um, and those things maybe you may think those things are cool, or you may think those things are lame. But uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the cool thing about that's that's what I love about music, right? Like, it doesn't really matter what anyone thinks because it's all opinion based like nothing really sucks right like like when people say like oh this band sucks or machine gun kelly he sucks i'm like he doesn't suck you just don't like him you know like so at the end of the day some people do like him some people don't some people will like what you're doing and some people won't and as long as you like it um and long as it comes from a genuine place i think um you're doing something right and like that's that's always going to be something that is of the utmost importance to me. Like I, I I always check myself and make sure like is this authentic to me, and a hundred percent of the time it is. You know, so that's great. Yeah, it shows it, great stuff. Uh, me personally, I'm a I listen to all styles of music, just whatever, and I'm a, the yeah. it's for me or it's not for me kind of guy. I'm going to listen to it, and there's not yeah. any one style of music there's not any one genre or subgenre of punk music where it's like yeah whatever that is i'm just going to listen to it because uh, i hear stuff and i'm either going to like it or i don't and that's just what i am and yeah I, I like i really do like what you guys are doing i really wish Thank just you. personally that i would have caught on to your band earlier on and caught one show with the xylophone just because i want to see a xylophone <laughs> player playing at a punk show but uh by yeah. no means am i uh, like a, a, attached to it i think it'd be awesome 
with uh, the keyboard as well. I, I definitely look forward to checking your band out. And speaking of that, uh, do you have any shows lined up or do you have any future plans for, for tours, for festivals? I know you guys have been on the, the punk rock bowling, which they didn't do this year, but uh, I hear they're supposed to be doing it next year. So do you have anything or is there anything that you're looking to do? Uh, yeah. We did. We actually did the last punk rock bowling, but I think you're right. This 2022, there wasn't a punk rock bowling, right? right but right. La- last summer, so like basically a year from now, or a year ago, we that's that's the one we played. Right. Um. Yeah, we have we have tours booked. We also have um a festival we're playing, uh, and at the start of the new year, none of it is announced yet. So I'm not supposed to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> But uh, but people but, should just be on the lookout. <laughs> we'll definitely yeah we're definitely going to be on the road um a lot in, in the coming months. Um, our next show that's announced is uh, in New Jersey. It's, it's at this venue called Crossroads, uh, and it's with um, Susie Moon and Teenage Bottle Rocket, and that's on September twenty second. We'll probably end up having some more shows. Um, local somewhat locally before the tours get announced um but as of now that's that's the one and uh, i don't i don't know if it's sold out but i'm sure you can find the info online awesome well people yeah we're speaking of that uh, following you so people you know anybody that wants to know when those tours get announced where should people follow you where, where are you guys most active where do you publish or post like hey tours coming this is where we're going I'm uh I run the Instagram page, so I'm always updating and posting crazy stuff on there and and, be, and being wild and ridiculous on that thing. Uh, what else? Uh, Spotify lists our shows. Bandcamp is another good one, um, where we have a lot of updates on merch and shows. So yeah, any any of those platforms are good. Well, speaking of that, people could order it. But if they go to a show, I'm sure you'll probably have them there too. But of, of your merch, yeah. you guys have a shirt that you just put out for Open Eyes that have all of the lyrics on back. And I even saw that you posted either, I can't remember if it was on Bandcamp or one of your social medias. You can get the shirt and then you can sing along. So if a lot of people yeah. get the shirt, you just stand behind someone else who's also wearing the shirt and then you <laughs> can sing along. <laughs> you know what's crazy about that shirt? Um, the 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 photo on, on the shirt is of this boxer. His name is Chuck Wepner, and he actually is the inspiration for the movie Rocky. Um, he's from and still lives in the my hometown in oh, Bayonne, New Jersey. Yeah, he uh, they call him the real Rocky, aka the the, the Bayonne Bleeder, because he went uh, I think twelve or fifteen rounds with Muhammad Ali. And he's, you know, his face was destroyed. He 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 was called the Bayon Bleeder because he 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 bled so easily. Um, but he was the inspiration for the first Rocky movie, and uh, Sylvester Stallone met up with him and like interviewed him, and he worked very closely with him for that first movie. So uh, that photo is is of him fighting, I think, uh, Sonny Liston. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. But well, yeah, the shirts are up. I don't know how many are left, honestly, because we didn't make a ton of them. Like it was it was just a limited uh, release. But yeah, the shirts are on, on, on sale on Bandcamp. So so check it out. 
definitely. I did. Everybody else should too. That's uh, cool. I like that you had all all the lyrics. And like I said, just uh, stand next to somebody or behind somebody <laughs> at the show, and you can sing along. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, so you do have stuff. Can't announce it yet, but I'm sure it sounds like maybe by the end of the year that that'll come out. Yeah. Uh, any chance that any tours that you might be doing, and maybe you can't even say, but uh, you know, with a lot of bands. East Coast bands, they're typically going to play a lot of shows on East Coast. West Coast, same. You know, they're going to play West Coast. Sometimes you get bands that are able to to do a little bit larger or more extensive area. So first off, the selfish question for someone like myself that lives out in, uh, in the Rocky Mountains, any possibilities in the next year or so uh, that you might be coming out West? And then I guess the next follow-up to that would be uh, you know, for all the, the fantastic folks over there in Europe or even South America, I know people go there less than Europe, but uh, any I, you know, plans on going either there, here, or is it maybe more regionally to where you guys are? We're definitely going west and we're definitely going overseas. Uh, those, are, those are actually two of the main, the main areas we're going to hit up uh, in the new year. So, yeah, um, I'm really excited to do both of those things hit up both those areas the the band has never been overseas um i i have been i i i did a um a european tour as crazy in the brains but i played solo okay and uh it was really cool it was it was it was amazing um but the band's full band has never has never done that yet so we're really excited to do that um we've been we've been to the west coast a few times as a band and uh we're we're coming back and uh yeah man i i'm I'm stoked um obviously touring is like where we thrive right and the live show uh is is like you know spiritual moments for us like so like i'm really excited to just get back on the road um so yeah, we'll 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 definitely be we'll, we'll definitely be coming your way, and I'll and I'll definitely uh, reach out to you when we when we get there. Please do definitely come to Utah if that's uh, not already on the list. Yeah, uh, it is. It is on the list. It is sweet. So, so sure, man. That's awesome. So yeah, that that'd be great. Definitely come here, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Do you have any uh, videos? So you did a video for Punk Rocker. I need to get more. You know, I know you have other videos, but do you have anything planned for Open Eyes or? Uh, maybe with those twenty to thirty tracks, you guys are you know picking and choosing, getting ready to go record here pretty quick. Do you have any other videos? Because I really, you guys did a great job on that video. Not just because uh, I, I enjoyed the similarities after watching the uh, the Iggy Pop Teddy Bears version, but just I, I saw yours first and I already enjoyed the video and what you guys did with it. So that's why I ask any. Uh, plans on doing any others here in the near future? Yeah, we recorded, we, uh, we filmed a video for Open Eyes. Um, I actually want to hang up with you. I have to, uh, I have to go check out the latest edit of it. So we're in the editing process of that now. That'll probably be out like next week. Um, and we already have um, scripts written up for the new songs. Usually we don't, we don't record, uh, film a music video until after we have like at least some like rough mixes of the new songs. Um, but I, I already have ideas and, and, and scripts um, started for, for 
the new music. So yeah, awesome. I think I think videos honestly are going to be an even. We have a lot of videos, right? And 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 I would say fifty fifty percent of them are are filmed and edited by me. The other half are are done by this this kid Jack who who has a film company called Shibby Pictures. Um, we have a lot of videos now, but for the new album, it's going to be even even bigger of a priority. I think we're the idea is to do a video for every single song on the album. Um, so yeah, expect a, a lot to see a lot more of my face. <laughs> Excellent. That that's fantastic. And just so you know, we're planning on expanding a little bit of what we're doing with the uh, SLC Punkcast and the other podcast I do, Punkanoa Worldwide. So if you do come out to Utah, maybe we can uh, and, and you have free time, we can film some stuff too there. Uh, I want to say that yes. Rebellion Festival next year is. I don't know if you guys, the invitation process or if people have to reach out to get on there, but I think you guys would be great there. I've been wanting to go for a while, and they have so many great bands and such a, a great variety. So if you were to go to Europe, that would be an awesome opportunity for you uh, for a, as a band if you get to play that. Yeah. And then the final question I have, is there anything we haven't covered that we should know about the band before we wrap this up? You know, I just thought of, of a question for you. Uh, <laughs> SOC Punk, the the movie. Do you like that movie? Because I always get I always get like mixed um, reviews on that from people uh, uh, from the area. I I like the the original movie. I I haven't even seen it since back in the nineties when it first came out. And yeah, I liked it then. I thought it was yeah. it was a cool movie. I haven't watched it recently. They they put out the sequel on Netflix a few years back, and that was terrible. The SLC podcast, too. That was so bad. And, you know, me living here, and I'm sure anybody that lives in an area where uh, a movie or a TV show is supposed to take place, and when they say, you know, we're here, and you're like, no, you're not. You're not even anywhere near where you say you're you're supposed (laughs) to be right now. That's not that scenery. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but the rest of the movie was just pretty shit, uh, the second one on top of those kind of things that I was nitpicking. But I thought the first one was all right. I, I, I'm, I liked it, and we, we named the podcast just after it because I didn't have any better ideas at the moment and sounded like it kind of went together, SLC Punk cast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, I love the movie, uh, but I, I always like, I'm always curious of, of people who are from there, like if they like it or they don't, because I know like, I think the drummer from Rancid is, is from is from Utah, right? Brandon, yes, he is. He's from yeah. so Salt Lake City. The city is part of Salt Lake County, and you know you have all the suburbs, and I'm sure it's like this everywhere. But where Brandon is specifically from is the next county south. So that's where he grew up, which is probably like a thirty to forty five minute drive from Salt Lake City specifically. Not that that matters one way or the other, just a different area that he uh, grew up in. And right, for right. me specifically, I mean, the movie took place uh, like 80s punk scene. And in the 80s, yeah. I was, you know, around the time that was taking place, I was probably like five to seven or something. So not something that I can relate to specifically, but I did enjoy the movie. Yeah, man, I, I, I liked it. But like, you know, being from Jersey, right, there's a lot of there's a lot of film um, that takes place in Jersey TV yeah. and, and movies. And people, people from here, like, have, you know, so many mixed opinions on, like, 
the Sopranos, right? Like, right. I I like the Sopranos though, like, but like my mom absolutely despises the show. She thinks it's a terrible representation of Italians and a terrible representation of Jersey. I don't I don't agree with her on that, but like I get where she's coming from. Sure. But like I feel like I I feel like when you're from a place and then you see it in a movie, like more times than not, like I hear like you don't you don't fuck with the movie, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I like SLC Punk, so I was just curious what you told him. But, I yeah, do, I do too. Cool, cool, cool. Excellent. Well, I, I appreciate yeah. you taking the time. Uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, when you guys release, put out, uh, unleash to the world where you're going to be. Uh, look forward yeah. to that next release that you guys will be working on. And in the meantime, we're going to enjoy uh, Open Eyes. We're going to play some more music, so I think we should get into Eastside next, uh, the other more, most recent track that you have released. So, again, thank you for joining me on the show, and I look forward to meeting you and seeing you in person, whether it be here or somewhere else. Thank you. Likewise. Excellent. Thank you. Peace.
crazy in the brain. <laughs> Fuck me, you really weren't kidding about the xylophone. Right? <laughs> what, what was originally or once known as uh, punk rock, or a xylophone punk rock, that is, now you can go check them out, as you've heard in the interview, for that next stage uh, of the band, next chapter of the band. I want to thank Christoph again. Great interview. Uh, you got to hear about the, the past, the present, and kind of at least somewhat of the future uh, of the band. Really cool band. Like I said, I was into just checking out everything because there was so much, and it was a band I had slept on but slept on no more. And now everybody else, you go check them out. Those were two new ones. And as he stated, uh, 20 to 30 tracks ready to record, see what happens on the recordings and how it turns out, and we'll look forward to that next chapter of Crazy in the Brains. Yeah. Yes. Eric, we got to wrap up the show. We are at the tail end. We got to get there. So uh, what do you got? We're wrapping up with your pick. We are wrapping up with my pick, and my pick is from the infamous, the infamous song from a very famous artist, the world-renowned Elvis. Costello. Yes. Oh, yeah. Elvis Costello. That man, he is a uh, talent. He is. He has been going hard ever since the 70s, and I almost, almost, almost consider putting this song in like the regular uh, strain of our episode, but I don't really consider Elvis Costello punk. He was alongside the punks, and he was in league with them, kind of the same way as we would look at a band like Talking Heads or Blondie or Television. Right. Not really punk by design, but the attitude was there. And no, Nary was the attitude ever more prevalent than his infamous performance on Saturday Night Live in 1978. And that was when he was scheduled to play, to play as a guest appearance after the Sex Pistols dropped off. You know, and the Sex Pistols, they do what they do. <laughs> or did what they did. They're fucking crazies. Anyway, the so Costello went on, and they were told to play the song Less Than Zero. And, <clears throat> and Costello kind of thought against that. And they started playing the intro, Less Than Zero. And then midway through the intro, he stopped it. And he said, this is not the song the audience need to hear. And then they went right into Radio Radio. So, just really quick, the if you don't know the context of the song, that is a... That is basically a criticism of commercialism in radio and television and just entertainment in general. How they are just like saturating all music out there. And of course, you're going to be playing that on one of the biggest, on the biggest stages, on one of the highest renowned broadcasting primetime television shows. Yeah, Lord Michaels isn't going to be too pleased with you. And the rumor goes that he was, through the entirety of their performance, just sitting side stage, aiming the middle finger right at Elvis. <laughs> but they carried on, and although they got banned for about 12 years, they, this is what put them on the map. This is what made them, <laughs> this is what made them huge. Pump it up, be damned. You know, they are not, they, Elvis Costello is more than the guy who just wrote, pump it up. <laughs> he wrote Radio Radio, and this song is my favorite of theirs if not for the story behind it that I just told. So let's listen to it. Let's listen to the radio, the good kind. Cause it's old This 
And after the relationship uh, between Michaels and Costello had healed, uh, he was invited back to uh, uh, for the 25th anniversary of SNL broadcasting. And the Beastie Boys were brought on to perform Sabotage. And in the middle of it, Elvis bum rushes the stage again, says the exact same thing. This is not what the audience needs to hear right now. And then they go right into radio, radio <laughs> again. So it may have been staged, it may have been pre-planned, but regardless... Still pretty awesome that they recognize what really put Elvis Costello on the map. So listen to the rest of that album, this year's model. It's his, uh, one of the seminal releases of rock and roll in the 70s. And really his entire catalog. He's played with multiple bands. He's got multiple releases under his belt. And he is a fantastic artist, jack of all trades. I wish I was seeing him next week. Right. But oh well. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Just, just, he's a legend. He's better than the original Elvis. <laughs> At least this guy actually wrote his own songs. And he's still alive. <laughs> right. All right, well, we got to wrap up the show. The interview was great. Thanks again to Christoph. Thank you, everybody, for joining us all the way up to this point. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Music, Amazon Music, Player FM, and SLCPunkCost. Punkcast.com. Punkcast. Punkcast. How much does it cost? Costs you nothing. Costs us maybe a little more than that. Anyway, Instagram. A bit of dignity. Yeah. <laughs> you can find all the bands on Instagram at the Chats Love Beer, at Special Duties, at Battalion Zoska, at Black Flag Band, at Crazy and the Brains, at Elvis Costello, and the show is at SLC Punkcast. Eric, where can we find you? You can find me on my personal Instagram at Scary Uncle underscore Eric underscore SLC. By the way, Eric with a C. I 
I have to make that distinction. I'm not one of those posers <laughs> with a K. Anyway, you can find my band Anonymous on Instagram at Anonymous underscore band official on Facebook at Anonymous SLC and on Bandcamp at AnonymousSLC.Bandcamp.com. You can find my other band, The Apathetics, on Instagram at TheApathetics.SLC, on Facebook at TheApathetics, and Bandcamp, TheApathetics.Bandcamp.com. And my Lead Melodies podcast, find that on Instagram at LeadMelodies underscore podcast, and on Facebook at Lead.Melodies.Podcast.SLC. You can stream the... Uh, Already existing episodes on Anchor.fm and on Spotify. And be sure to follow the SLC Hardcore page on Facebook. I am posting on there pretty regularly now because there is a shitload of shows coming up. Right. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> and you can hear more of that on the page. That is on Facebook at SLC Hardcore, all one word. And that's all I got to say about that. What else you got to say for socials? Facebook, the bands are at, the chats band, at Special Duties, at Battalion Zoska, at Sand Japan, at Black Flag Band, at Crazy and the Brains, at Elvis Costello, and at SLC Punkcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Interview was great. We got to wrap the show. So uh, here we go. Play the fucking outro. Outro.